your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. I think I'm, I think I'm mimicking what you used to do, Mitch, there. Welcome to, that's like a Mitch thing. I feel like I do that uh, without thinking about it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm flattered. Uh, <laughs> it's unconscious. Uh, that's Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds. He'll be, uh, he's... He's going from City Hall. He's headed to the Lacrosse Center. There's a, a I think, an award ceremony tonight. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, something like that, going on. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> and there you have the details as I know them. Yeah, that's yes. about it. Well, it's some sort of award ceremony. Yeah. Mr. Record is in here telling me he's headed down there too, and that's about all I know as well. So, um, <laughs> anyway. So I've got you on. I, I want to do. Uh, I've, I've got. I sent you a, a a couple of things I wanted to talk about. But um, first of all, we got to do a real quick sports thing. Uh, Johnny Davis, you worried about him? I I have not. Um, I have not heard today what what the injury is. Um, so I guess I'm not sure whether to be worried or not. Yeah, it sounds like uh, we're still going with the optimistic line that he'll be ready to play by Friday. Uh, oh, it, oh, okay. For anyone who hasn't listened or to the news at all or, or, or paid attention to the Badgers, Johnny Davis hit pretty hard on a flagrant foul yesterday early in the second half, went down, didn't return to the game, hobbled off, holding his right leg. They're calling it a quote-unquote lower body injury, but um, he's tough. He'll play. He's a hockey player. Yeah, uh, I'm, he probably would have continued to play if there was anything on the line, but there was absolutely nothing to it's you know getting yeah. winning winning the Big Ten outright is is not that you know it, it's nice but it's not the goal. Yeah, conference championships uh, as cool as they are when you look back if you're a, you know like on your high school days. Hey, we won conference in in the in the scheme of things, not not all that important. Uh, as I as I denounce all conference championships from forever. Um, Aaron Rodgers, what do you think of that saga? Real quick, we, co- we he coming back. I, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Just tell him, I, see you later, or what? He's an enigma, man. He is really difficult to figure out. I don't yeah. know what motivates him. It's difficult to understand what he's driven by or what what is, um, yeah, if his, it seems at times as if his emotional state itself is fragile. And I just, it's, he's just an interesting dude to try to figure out. So I, I have no guesses there. He has like really a weird not. family history. I wonder how much that plays into it. And I don't want to get into, you know, everyone's got weird family sure. history, but his is yeah. obviously because <laughs> he's, because he's in the public eye and people dissect that stuff and we're paying him millions of dollars to play quarterback for us. We want to, we want to dissect that. So anyway, um, and the Bucks, uh, they've kind of been, they're about 500 team here since uh, January 1st. I don't know. It's NBA champs. I'm getting worried. <laughs> uh yeah i it's all about pj tucker they should have kept pj tucker i tell you i still the team beat in the east as far as i'm concerned i mean i think the way that they handled obviously the suns were not at full uh at uh, they were did not have a a full uh a full team yesterday when they when they played the bucks uh, but winning that game beating the heat beating the bulls uh, i really just all of those in succession, and, and the and the Hornets as well. I really think that it's, uh, you know, it, they're really still the team to beat. It's the lull of the regular season. Right after the All-Star break, it's kind of weird, too. Okay, um, in town, real quick, there's a four-way stop by the Lacrosse Center. What the bleep? 
I know this was talked about, but now I actually have to stop there, and it's affecting me. Yeah, I think that um, I believe that we've given you specifically a pass to just run through that stop sign. Just blow through it. I would take your take your chances there. Okay, my theory my theory with that is the four way stop sign there because the the center lines are off and we just hey stop here because before you go over the speed jumps. Uh, the center lines are a little wacky. Uh, will those center lines get fixed at some point? Because this is the beginning of a of a road project on that street that's going to, uh, you know, then eventually those center lines will be on par, or uh, there'll be center lines again st- all the way across. I, you got me. You know, I, you know, I if it were me, center lines would be super wiggly, so people would really have to pay attention. <laughs> Do you when know what driving. I'm talking about or not? Maybe you just haven't I, gone down really, Second Street. I mean, so, you're getting down to the granular level of uh, street lines. I'm <laughs> no, you know, I need no. This is, okay. Well, when you're when you're headed to the lacrosse center, drive by it, but take start at like State Street and drive by it, and you'll see. Uh, and just once you get to okay. the like speed jumpy part of uh, the lacrosse center where they put those new bumps in, you'll notice you'll be like, oh yeah, the center lines are way off. They're like three feet. <laughs> One way or the other, depending on which way you're going. All right. Yeah, I'll take a look. Right and now there's a four-way stop there. So we just we got to right. stop traffic. I, I kind of get a four-way stop. But um, Board of Public Works, uh, a shoveling saga again. Like, is, is this something that started where you uh, – were you – not you particularly, but the board – uh, gave in on somebody shoveling fine, and now you've you've oh because it used to be just no you're paying the shoveling fine you didn't shovel your walk or non shoveling fine you didn't shovel your walk pay the fine and now it's it's gotten to the point where uh, everyone thinks they can they can protest and get their fines re- removed. Well, I don't think everyone thinks that because there's been a, a tremendous number of 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 they're not fines they're fees for the shoveling of the walks. Uh, there's been a tremendous number of those, uh, and largely because we have, I think that this year, there's been a concentrated effort to enforce the ordinance as it is, as it is written, and uh, and that's because, uh, if it will, for a number of reasons, because that's what we should be doing. Um, and I think that... Uh, I don't know whether that's an inclination to decrease fines or hear appeals. I don't know if that's part of what we're seeing, if that means that more people are showing up. I think it's been a steady number every week. So I don't I don't know if that's actually the case. It's it's fun drama for those listening to the Board of Public Works meeting. Brad <laughs> Brad really enjoys it. Does he? Well, I'm glad that we can provide him some level of entertainment. I mean, but, but yeah, it's what it's a what fifty seventy five dollar fee, and then a two fifty a linear foot on top of that, and people just. I mean, if it hasn't snowed. When's the last time it snowed? I just don't understand when these. Maybe maybe they're just backed bill bills are backed up a little bit. They haven't gotten to to the people. Yeah. And so and let me just so the appeal process is something that it comes before the Board of Public Works because the Board of Public Works is required by state statute to enforce. Uh, requiring that the sidewalks remain clear for so people can walk down them, basically. So the Board of Public Works hears these appeals from people that get charged for the city's contractor clearing the sidewalks. Uh, we charge $2.50 a linear foot. That is what the city council approved uh, this past year and has every year for, I, I don't remember how long, frankly. 
and uh, the $75 administration administrative fee is for the, the process and the paperwork and all the, the time that it takes for the staff to actually make sure that these rules are being enforced. Um, and so I think what, it, what has re- been a repeated theme in all of these appeals is the amount of the lineal foot charge and the amount of time that uh, elapses prior to an enforcement action being taken. I think those are the key issues. There's also some folks are, are concerned about um, their lack of awareness, essentially, of the rule to clean your sidewalk. We have I've had people that have claimed to have lived in the same house for 20 years and didn't know they had to shovel their sidewalk. I, I find that hard to believe, remarkably hard to believe, uh, but I suppose that you can um, live for a generation in the city of La Crosse in the same house and not realize that you have to shovel your sidewalk. Uh, but it's, it's, it stretches um, it stretches the imagination a bit, let's put it that way. Is that the generation that back when I was a kid, we walked through 10 feet of snow both ways uphill to school, like something like that? Yeah, that- and I guess <laughs> if we were all able-bodied adults, uh, I think that would not be a problem. Uh, but we have, we're in a city where there's a tremendous number of people with mobility challenges. Yeah. Uh, not only people that uh, have disabilities, but people who are elderly. And they, th- their form of transportation is walking up and down the sidewalks. And so every person that comes in front of the Board of Public Works and says, the dog ate my homework, uh, I think about all of the people that require that sidewalk to get to the places where they need to get to, whether that be the grocery store or church or their Aunt Gertrude's, or whatever the place is that they need to go, I think about those folks, because that's how they get to where they need to go. And for, for folks to say, look, I, I didn't have time, I've got to work, I got school, my grandma had to have her uh, house repainted, whatever the situation is, I, I think that you you need to be able to understand that there are people in our community who are absolutely reliant on sidewalks as a form of transportation to get to where they need to go to simply live their lives. It is, I call it a moral imperative. It's a moral imperative for us to clean sidewalks in order to facilitate transportation for those who are the most vulnerable in our community. That's Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds. You gonna spend the you gonna spend the hour with us? Is that what, I know you're doing the thing, but right. Oh yeah, no, okay. I carved out time. Okay, I'll just make it uh, today to be with you, Rick, <laughs> all and right. every all of your listeners. All right, hold tight. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Mayor Mitch Reynolds on with me for this hour. We've been talking about, uh, well, we had to do a, a little sports roundtable. Roundtable? No, we had to go around the table on sports. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, n- neither of those made any sense. But I want to, I'm leading into, okay, I, I don't want to talk about the homeless thing just yet. So okay. let's just say NCAA tournament is up. You have 64 city topics. It's the NCAA tournament. You have 64 teams, 64 topics in the city. There's a bracket. The homeless one is the number one seed. They got eliminated in the first round, so it's not on the bracket anymore. When we get to the final four, what would your final four be on just city issues that are most important to you right now? 
in terms of, you know, just like these are the four priorities aside from the homeless effort. These are the four priorities that would make a final four bracket. Well, I'm, I'm actually surprised that you think the, that homelessness is the number one seed. Right. That's well, that, well, here's the thing is I talk about it so much that I feel and people think yeah. that that's the a lot of people call in and like the only thing the mayor cares about is 150 people that are homeless. He doesn't care about anyone else. And I'm like, well, that's probably because I'm talking about it once a week at least. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let me think. Uh, top four. Uh, so that would be. Um, I, is this an order, or I could just? It's a uh, it's a bracket, and, right? And so and they made four. the they made the final four. So they got through yeah. the bracket. These are the four. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, for, uh, housing. So inc- increase the the quality and quantity of housing. That's uh, that's one of them. Uh, floodplain hazard mitigation. Um. Um. Let's see. The the rapid development of the River Point District, um, and the um, man, four geez, that's a tough one. That last one's a tough one because I really just want to say the um, uh, man, that's a tough one. Is this like a five twelve seed? You like the twelve seed? Five five, twelve. Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) No. No, because it's because you know there, we're we're there's a lot of a lot of energy and momentum and desire to really make certain that we're staying on task and and, and keeping to our promise to be uh, carbon neutral by uh, 2050, and that's a really big deal. But uh, you know, we also have staring us in the face right now is this marsh lead issue, which is a huge burden. For the future uh, in the city of La Crosse, and I'm I'm just trying to figure out. I'm just gonna I'm going to go well, this year's bracket. Energy, I'm gonna go energy sustainability because that. Mm, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm gonna go clean water. I'm gonna go clean water. Oh, just a a, a big yeah. Just they they weren't even on the bracket two seconds ago, and now you just added. Yeah, yeah. Clean waters. Clean water is gonna be make, make the final four. Well, and that and that and that adds the marsh. That adds PFAS. That you know on my list of things that I want to talk to you about in only an hour because we could go for four. Uh, uh, are there lead pipes in the city that we need to replace? I don't even know. Um, but real quick, I want to just I want to get you uh, get you on the, the the Maple Grove Motel. The city did that. We approved that last sure. month. Um, sure. Is there a, is there, okay, first off, we, we have a homeless coordinator. If we didn't have a, does the homeless coordinator facilitate the city's ability to, you know, do the Maple Grove deal? Or does the, does the homeless coordinator now, we, we got the Maple Grove deal and now the homeless co- coordinator will allow us to continue? I don't know, did, which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Wow, that's interesting. The homeless services coordinator is really helping us, um, with the what well, just like the name implies in the job coordinate services that multiple groups provide many i don't know how long ago this was but at some point the we deinstitutionalized the care for the homeless and so that became the responsibility that be, that that became the responsibility of organizations like the Salvation Army and Cooley Cap and um to like ILR and I'm trying to think of the number of different organizations that are involved in some way in homelessness. YWCA is involved. There's a lot of organizations involved in various different ways in relation to homelessness. Catholic Charities is one of them. So, 
so all these organizations are are doing the job that you know and this is my personal opinion but i believe that we that we as um, as local governments state governments federal governments we've advocated so they're doing the job and we're providing them a lot of funding to do that job and oftentimes they're working they're working separately and individually and not in a cohesive, coordinated fashion. So the idea behind the homeless services coordinator was to make to get at some point get everyone uh, rowing in the same direction, row the boat in the same direction. That was kind of the idea, and and it's it's going to be a process. Uh, the homeless services coordinator has been on the job now for I don't know three months, something like that. We're making headway, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, in relation I, to the Maple Grove Hotel, our motel, I, I think that the homeless services coordinator, our homeless services coordinator, has been really good at at uh, helping our team understand the complexity of what we're what we're uh, dealing with, and I really appreciated the counsel from this individual, and really appreciate his insight into what some of these other organizations are thinking about what we're doing and then how we can move forward with uh, the Maple Grove Motel or any other effort that we take. Okay. So, I, don't, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, I mean, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a complex answer. Well, so. Yeah, and I think my question more was, like, if we didn't have a homeless coordinator, would we have still the city undertaking an effort to buy the Maple Grove Motel? Because I feel like it takes somebody in the city to be the expert on homelessness to do that. It's a yes/no question at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Um, so I would say yes. We still we we probably still would have done something like that, whether that or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair, what we tried to do originally was purchase the the building across the street from City Hall. Right, and I I don't make, make that the temporary bridge housing, but uh, you know, George Park had different plans, <laughs> and so we're. We're, we we had to we had to scramble about around a little bit and try to figure out someplace else yeah where there could be some uh, semi permanent housing temporary bridge housing for individuals who are unsheltered and so this is one of the, the areas one of the one of the spots where we're going to find a solution right and see and this and the homeless thing could take this show every time you know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have your homeless coordinator on someday. And then I could spend an hour with him and talk about it. Because we always, I understand, like, this is an important issue. Uh, but we always use your all your time on the homelessness thing. And we've already yeah. hit the segment. So we got to go to Scott's comment in the news. When we come back, I do. I want to talk about uh, water. I want to talk about lacrosse center privatization. I want to talk about sure. that a little bit. And um, there's, like, three calls. So we want to get to them, too. Sorry, guys. You have to wait a sure. more, couple more minutes. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-608-785-7914. Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds on with me. I've had these guys waiting, Mitch, forever. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna bring them on. Let's get Fire you away. up. And I think Kent has been waiting the longest. He wanted to talk a little bit about the I think the comparison between I don't know, homeless uh, the senior center in lacrosse and the homeless issue. Go ahead, Kent. Sorry to make you waiting. Hey guys, how you doing, Mayor Mitch? How are you? Sure. Good. Good. So, Mayor Kent on the north side. Hey, uh, I heard rumors that they're going to close down their Harry J. Olson Senior Center on the north side. It's right here on Onalaska Avenue. It's 
quite a yeah. big facility. I know they got a kitchen in there, and it's an old church. Maybe that's something we can look into for the homeless. Okay. Uh, I, I appreciate the suggestion. Uh, you know, I think the a number of issues there, but <laughs> I don't know what I need to unpack. The the building that the Harry J. Olson Senior Center is in is in, well, most of it anyway, not the addition that's on the back, but the vast majority of the building that, that was uh, not a church, but a, a former, um, oh, my gosh, it's like a, a, a place where, uh, I would say rail, rail, railroad workers used to live, maybe? I don't know. But it, it's, an, it's an old building, and it has some significant issues related to problems with maintenance and uh, in, it's in desperate need of repairs in a lot of different ways. And so uh, I wouldn't want to invest any money into it to move anyone in, into it, frankly. All right. Number three is calling in. Number three, you're on with the mayor. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Sorry to make you wait. That's all right. I'll wait for you. Anyway, Rich, uh, Maple Grove Motel the way it is right now, you can put 32 people in it. I understand they want to put 30 more small units in it on the land there. Okay. So that'd be a total of 62 people staying there. I think you better have your homeless coordinator check to see if the no vacancy sign is working. Yeah. You're going yeah, to be no about 40 short. Yeah, I, and that's a really good and I think the, the, the important thing to remember about the, the crisis of homelessness that, that, that we're facing is that this is something that's going on around the nation. Um, I, I personally would love to be able to say that we are, that uh, in fact, my goal is to uh, get to functional zero with homelessness, where, yeah, people, people become homelessness, are homeless rather, but it's not something that lasts for any length of time. That's not reality right now, and that's because everywhere around our nation there is a crisis of homelessness. Regardless of where you go, it's the same situation, and people are and 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 little little urban areas like ours and big urban areas like San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles are all facing the same thing. It is absolutely a crisis, and so it doesn't matter how many units that we put on the ground, we cannot have enough units, there's always going to be more demand than supply. And that will remain the same in the city of La Crosse until we invest, uh, you know, and, and probably through the point where we're, in, uh, where we're making sure that we're uh, increasing the amount of housing that we have within the city. And that's, that's the most significant thing that we can do to help alleviate the crisis of homelessness right here in our area. And this is uh, and this is why everyone thinks you're only concentrating on the homeless issue because it just dominates the show every time you have you on. So no more homeless talk. I'm sorry. I can have your homeless coordinator on. That's it. I'm done. Done talking about the homeless. Uh, you, it, it's not your fault, but it just it's very like everyone can relate to it. I think everyone has a house, so they can relate. Uh, Lacrosse Center. Sure. You're talking about making it a private entity. Uh, it's going to be owned by the city, but a private. Uh, entity would run it. Uh, how how right. different would that be from from the way it's run now? How, how would it affect anything? I honestly, Rick, I don't know. And that's kind of the thing is that we're 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 dipping our toes into the water to see whether a proposal that we get from an organization makes sense for the city. 
And it's got to check some boxes, right? So it's got to be, it has to be fiscally beneficial to, uh, to the taxpayers of the city of La Crosse. That's, that's a super important part, right? There's no point in going down this road if it's, I think I said before, I don't want to privatize just for privatization's sake. It has to be, there has to be a fiscal benefit. Uh, there also has to be a cultural benefit. The promise of La Crosse Center, the reason why taxpayers invested $42 million into the La Crosse Center was not just to help benefit the tourism economy, which it will. I don't know if it'll make that $42 million mark, but it certainly will uh, help the tourism economy, but also to culturally benefit this region. Uh, so that has to be something that whoever comes in or whoever sends us a proposal, it, that has to be part of the proposal. So that, and then the other thing is that it, we have to make sure that our our employees at the La Crosse Center are are uh, are taken care of. So all those three boxes have to be checked. Now, if if we can check all those boxes and uh, still provide the services that we need to do and do it in a fiscally beneficial, you know, if all those boxes are checked, then, then we'll go down that road. But frankly, I don't know if that changes how it's operated. I, I don't think it should from the, from the user's perspective. From the user's perspective, you should be able to walk in, you know, you go to your event, everything is great, just like it is now. Uh, you're getting, you know, you're getting your drinks, you're getting your food, you're going to your events, you're sitting in these great uh, spaces, everything is going well. And I would assume the user experience would stay the same. But uh, again, it would depend on what kind of proposals that we get. Well, yeah, and I wonder if you let another entity uh, run it, right? That will other things come to the lacrosse center? Will they reach out to things that haven't been here? Um, you know, Art, Art Faze, the director now, he's been running it for a long time. He probably just knows exactly what is coming every, you know, every weekend, every week uh, for the last however many years, decades. Uh, you know, at that point, it's it's almost a machine. Uh, someone new comes in. A, you got to keep those relationships to bring the things that that you know are coming to the lacrosse center if they're if they're beneficial for the the city anyway. And then maybe someone else comes in and goes, you know what? I want to try to get this. I want to get to try to get that. You know, it would have been great to have the Milwaukee Bucks G League team in there. No, no, just say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it would have been a private entity if they would have worked harder at that. But uh, anyway, it's still a thorn in my side. I wanted the G League team there. Clearly. Clearly it is, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, next thing, PIFAs, uh, water. Well, let's just go clean water. Are, are there lead pipes in lacrosse that we need to get out before? You know, it's not like we're in a Flint, Michigan situation, but um, I always kind of wonder about that. Do people have lead pipes that they shouldn't have, and would the city help them get rid of those? Yeah. We have some uh, goosenecks, lead goosenecks, basically connections between uh, pipe to pipe, um, and there are very few of them left. We've, I, I, we don't have a really good inventory about where they are but we know they're in older parts of the city, right? So whenever we tear into a street, we make sure that we're addressing that need. But it's hit or miss. It's, it's you know, we, we're not entirely, there's, I think, I, I believe that they're, for the most part, they're mapped out, but I think that that uh, there's probably some that we don't know about. Um, but that is definitely something that we address and have been addressing for years, is removing those goosenecks. Uh but, but otherwise, we don't have lead pipes, no. Okay, so the city uh, approved, I think, $25,000 to help with bottled water on, on French Island. Is it, at this point, for the people in Campbell, 
that are using bottled water that have a PFAS problem, that that forever chemical problem in the groundwater, is that at this point they have to make a decision on what to do and then the city will support that decision or maybe not support that decision? Is it kind of on them now to determine? Because I know, I believe they have some ARPA funding that they can use. They have some options. Is it just a matter of, you know, I guess what's the city's position at this point? Yeah, so we started negotiations uh, at, at the very ground level uh, in relation to supplying water to the town of Campbell. Uh, so it would be the a municipal water supply for the town of Campbell. They have other options, uh, but we have started those negotiations. Again, that's at the very ground level, and uh, and those talks have just begun. Uh, so that would be one solution for the town of Campbell. I don't know if that's something that they would accept. Or if they'd like to go in a different direction, that would be entirely up to the town. Um, in the meantime, we are considered the responsible party for the pollution at the airport. And so we're supplying bottled water for what has been determined to be the impacted area from that. Now, the DNR is paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for bottled water for basically the rest of the island. And I, and these are places I, I i frankly don't know why I, I guess i don't know why they're why they're doing that but um but they're they're supplying bottled water for the rest all for the rest of the town of campbell i think i don't know if it's the the, the entire rest of the town of campbell but it's it's well over a thousand households that they're the dnr supplying water to so they're just sweeping we're just going to give everyone bottled water because we don't as opposed to picking and choosing people that have te- their wells tested positive or yep. Over, Again, you know. this is the DNR that's doing that. Yeah. The city of La Crosse is providing bottled water to uh, the impacted areas that uh, the DNR says we're responsible for. Well, it's weird, that's too, cool. right? Like, the DNR policy board uh, approved, like, some groundwater drinking standards, and the standards yep. now are so low that – or high, I guess. The standards are so high that – uh, the reason why Campbell went on bottled water is now, like, the standard limit. It seems a little fishy. Like, hey, if we make the limit already, then then you guys can drink this water. It's fine. Yeah, and I think that what the the, the resources board, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that they were they wound up at the the federal standard, uh, the EPA standard at seventy point seventy parts per trillion. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, yep. so I don't think that that's really that's not quite accurate. Uh, the DNR, um, the administration of the DNR was pushing for a, a much lower limit. Yeah, because um, DHS apparently I, DHS says it's it should be twenty, not seventy, and Minnesota's standard right. is fifteen parts per trillion. Yeah, and then some other states. I think Michigan has even a lower standard. I think Massachusetts has a lower standard as well. I think there seems to be um, a, a lack of consensus. I, I think it. You know, frankly, I think it should be up to the states to determine what the best standard is for the drinking water of the population. Really? Because um, I feel like I, we're I was all actually. I was super surprised that the the resources board didn't go for the. For the much lower standard, I was I was very surprised by that. Well, I feel like we're all humans. There should just be one standard. There's not different humans that could take PFAS a little bit differently. And also, uh, when businesses are like, "Hey, we can't have these standards so high because they're you know water business businesses that are in the water clean water industry, uh, they shouldn't even have a say. I don't think because they they want the standard you know I guess lower or higher, however you want to put it. Um, yeah, I just I feel like federally they can make it one sweeping thing because we're all you know. We, we, we all are the same species. I, I think that Rick, I, I think that we're going to get there. I think that there's going to be a, this is, we're going through a process, and, I, and it's it's more of a discovery process at this point, because although manufacturers have known for decades 
frankly, that how harmful these chemicals were or have been. I think that it's only just very recently that this has boiled up to the point where the, the federal government is taking action, state governments are taking action, and I think we're going through a discovery process and an, an awareness process. And at some point, there's going to be a, a federal standard that is is probably more in line with what you see in Minnesota or Michigan, um, and, and we'll see. And maybe not, you know, and, and that may depend on more research and more data analysis, because it's all about the... the you know, when we're talking about clean water, it's really all about acceptable risk. It's not about ultimate safety. What is the acceptable risk of contaminants in water? And we have acceptable risk numbers for lead and for radon and for fluorine and chlorine and all these other chemicals that are in our water or we put in our water. And so at some point, there's going to be an acceptable risk, uh, risk level for PFAS or those associated chemicals. And we're going to say that's an acceptable risk level for those chemicals, because really they're going to be in all the water everywhere, uh, especially in places where there's a lot, a lot of flow in the gr- groundwater like we have in the upper Midwest. So I, I think that we're, we're going to get there, and it's just it's just a process that we're going through right now. Um, all right, you mentioned lead. Well, we both mentioned lead at some point. The, yeah. the La Crosse River Marsh, uh, we, went, we were shooting clay pigeons in there in the the lead from the bullets has been in the marsh for, I guess, for decades, right? And this is a while ago. Yep. We haven't done this in a while. But what, what is, I mean, I guess from what I understand, I talked to somebody on this, is there's lead, it's like under the soot now, right? Like it's underneath the marsh and then underneath like the bottom layer. Uh, yep. it's, it would be hard to go in there and, and dig it up because, A, it's a marsh. And then once you start digging it up, then that lead gets into, you know, then it's loose, right? Then it might get into yep. the water and then it might just spread yep. everywhere. Um, do, uh, but this has been an issue. I think the city approved uh, $200,000 for more research into this last month. You guys did yeah. that. Um, but, man, it just seems like a, an ongoing thing that nothing ever happens, but sometimes that might be the case. Like, oh, we don't actually want anything to happen because we want the lead to stay there, stay on the bottom and don't move. Yeah, and I think that I, I you know, digging up the lead I think is a – I just, you know, scooping all that stuff out of there, I think, causes far more uh, problems uh, than than leaving everything in place and figuring out what to do with it, um, with it, with it in place. And I think that we can figure out different ways to deal with it. I'm not a scientist, but I think that we can find different ways to deal with it other than trying to uh, remediate by by uh, digging it all out. Um, and I, and that's part of what the study is going to uh, is do for us is to do is to show us the path forward that has significantly less potential negative impact on the surrounding environment. And I think it's important for us to uh, find ways where we can remediate uh, this, this le- potential lead hazard. I don't, it doesn't seem to be an actual hazard now. It's just a potential lead hazard yeah. because we haven't seen significant levels of lead in migratory birds or in insects or anything else for that matter. Um, but I think the DNR has latched onto this as a potential lead hazard and so we and we're the responsible party because we own it, and so we need to do something with it. And the, and we can, you know, this is a liability. This is an ongoing liability for the people of the city of La Crosse. And so I think we really need to figure out a way to address it in 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 the most uh, effective way as possible. And having some making sure that we know exactly what we're doing before we jump into it, I think it's going to be beneficial in the long run. Yeah, because all it would take, you know, I guess not all, it would take something pretty catastrophic, uh, whether it be a 
maybe a tornado comes in and stirs all that up or, or some kind of flooding situation. Uh, and then we do have a problem um, getting to flooding. Uh, it's, it's kind of flooding season now. I know there's the city has a flood relief program. I looked at it just recently and it said citywide. It's not currently available. What, what can people do, uh, you know, as they start to think about, oh, I'm in the flood plan or, you know, oh, my, my basement's going to, this is always an ongoing issue. Is there anything that people can do through the city that in, in this regard? You know, I, you know, I don't have all the answers for uh, floodplain mitigation for folks, but I will say that we do because we have a floodplain manager uh, now. Uh, uh, she's doing incredible work. Her name is Sarah, and she's doing incredible work. And I would recommend any, anybody to contact a floodplain manager through the city of Lacrosse. And I just go to our website. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but uh, it, she is in the community risk management department, and um, she is. If, if anybody can help you in City Hall, uh, Sarah can. So I would strongly recommend getting in touch with her uh, in our community risk management department to figure out direction for if you have concerns about if you're in the floodplain and you have concerns, any concerns related to that, she's the one to reach out to. All right. That's Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds. Hey, thanks a lot for spending the hour with us, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right. See ya. All right. We're going to take one more break. We'll be back after this. Thanks again to Mayor Mitch Reynolds for spending some time with us. We got the uh, the top four, so we we I'm not I don't want to uh, make like the homeless make the homeless issue something that's not an issue. But every time the mayor comes on here, he's passionate about that and he cares about it, and then he goes into a spiel about helping the most vulnerable, and then it turns into a five minute conversation. Well, not even a conversation, just his his speech on the homeless issue because it's important and he can't just play it off like I can. Uh, but we just at this point, every time he comes on, we spend a great deal of time talking about the homeless issue when that and that's not his fault. It's my fault when uh, there's like 50 other things we could talk about. And if I want to do a homeless show and I'm trying to, I'm trying to actually bring someone from the Salvation Army on. I could call the city's homeless coordinator as well. Probably do that. That probably might be the better avenue now. It's hard to get the Salvation Army people to come on. Um, but like you said, like I said, uh, you know, in terms of, and this isn't homeless issue, but I got him to got him to down to a, a final four essentially. If there were sixty four, if there were sixty four things to to talk to uh, to tackle in the city of Lacrosse as a mayor, you know, and you whittled it down to a final four. Now that we're in March Madness, right? What would it be? And he said, housing, increasing the quality and quantity of housing in the city. Uh, floodplain hazard mitigation. So this was, he kind of cheated because it, his fourth one was clean water. And I feel like floodplain hazard mitigation and clean water, they're two different things, but they also both have to deal with water. So that's cheating a little bit. And then the third one on there was uh, rapid development of the River Point district. As, and we're seeing this a little bit. Um, River Point, uh, what do we got? Copper Rocks now. I won't call it the Kmart location, but I will because... Otherwise, you won't know what I'm talking about because nobody's going to know what Copper Rocks means off the top of their head. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Kmart uh, area, they're they're doing that. Not the city, but there's a private company doing that. And uh, now we just got to get all those shop clothes filled. And the mall. The mall's up for auction tomorrow. Uh, what do you predict the mall is going to go for as an auction? I don't know what the lowest, uh, the set low bid will be. Uh, it'll be interesting. If, it, if it, Is it like a million dollars? Is it? I mean, if it's if it's quote unquote valued at twenty seven ish million dollars, then is the low bid going to be like twenty million dollars? 
because they're not just going to sell it for nothing. It's not going to go to auction for a dollar and, and then like hopefully enough people show up to bid on it. Uh, man, it just seems it's really hard to just it, out of thin air to think about what that area is worth, what the mall is worth without any of the, without hardly any of the box stores. So you don't get the Sears building and a couple of those others outlying stores. And um, so what is the inside, like the middle portion of the mall worth? You, you, get, you get the bookstore, apparently. Barnes & Noble, is that it? Yeah, you get Barnes & Noble. And, and one other box store, I thought, but in, on everything else is kind of its own thing. So you just get the part where they have little kiosks in the middle of the mall. That's the part you get. <laughs> And some of those other little, you get, what, GameStop and Foot Locker. And, I don't know. Maybe the city should have bought the mall instead of the Maple Grove Motel. We could have put the homeless there. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody.